Today's episode of The Rewatchables on the Ringer Podcast Network brought to you by SeatGeek, the presenting sponsor of the Bill Simmons Podcast. For $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on NBA tickets, use promo code BSNBA. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. We're also brought to you by Greats, Brooklyn's first sneaker company. Classic styles for both men and women. Greats make the best for less. All of their shoes are versatile in every moment, casual or formal. Include bestsellers like the all-leather Royal Lace-Up and Worcester Slip-On. Perfect gift for the holidays now. You can save 15% on your first purchase when you go to the greats, G-R-E-A-T-S dot com. Use the code Rewatchables. Speaking of the Ringer Podcast Network, we launched a JJ Reddick podcast and relaunched Binge Mode with Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion. And don't forget about The Watch and Ringer FC, both hosted by Chris Ryan. We have not done a Rewatchables podcast in a couple of weeks together not not the two been like at least two months for us but you sprung me from jail so just to remind people what the we watchables what happens on this podcast it's movies that for whatever reason become permanently rewatchable on cable basic cable blu-rays whatever we put a only movies after 1990 rule for this podcast so anything pre-1990 out not this time, my friends. Special exception. It is the 35th anniversary of my favorite movie of all time. I am wearing a $957 suit. Uh, 48 hours. Coming up, me, Chris Ryan. Here we go. They're Nick Nolte and Saturday Night Live's Eddie Murphy. And they're America's favorite new team. Sounds like a real stormy romance. In America's fastest and funniest new film. Sam Luther. 48 hours. It's got laughs that'll break you up. <laughs> Action that'll knock you out. And a team that'll turn you on. 48 hours. Rated R. Y'all be cool. This is my favorite movie ever. <laughs> it's it, uh, indefensible. <laughs> it's indefensibly racist. And yeah. got more racist every year, starting around 92. And around 2002, it became tough to admit this is my favorite movie ever. But but you're back. A man can't change his spots. <laughs> I have a theory. I told Zach Mack this. Whatever your favorite movie was when you're 13 is your favorite movie for your whole life. That's a really powerful. What was your favorite movie when you're 13? So what year is that? I think it was probably Predator. I think it was Predator or some action Were movie. Were you 13 from the... for Predator? Yeah, because it was uh, the era of... You go down to the video store and you rent something for three days, and you would just you would just watch it over and over yeah. again. And that and those movies just become indelible. So I think that it was something like Predator or Die Hard. Those '80s action movies were huge. Beverly Hills Cop is very big too. I was an only child in the early '80s. I watched a ton of TV. I love Saturday Night Live because initially I wasn't allowed to watch it, and the and then they started rerunning the best ofs and the. Season four, season five, season six was the first one. I just stayed up and said, screw it and watched. And it was a terrible season. Eddie became kind of the belated tiny bit breakout star. And then the next year broke out. He became my guy. I wrote about Eddie uh, for Grantland. I'm going to say 2011. For whatever reason, 1982, by, by, by sheer fluke, there were like no awesome black celebrities that you could point to, like for funny or action or anything. It was just, there was just this drought. Richard Pryor was getting older. All the black shows from the 70s, like Good Times, Sanford and Son, Different Strokes, I guess, was still around. But there was just, the world needed Eddie. He, and, and Kind of a post-black exploitation film era, too. So there wasn't as many 
of those. A lot of the genre movies from the 70s that it's have been gone. Grindhouse have been kind of just died off or moved into action blockbuster in the 80s. Yeah, it's just being Hollywood became very white. Yeah. And Eddie was a comet and was 20 years old on SNL crushing it. And at some point, obviously, somebody said, this guy should be in a movie. Mm-hmm. Makes 48 hours. He's 20. And doesn't realize that he's making... It gets credited as the first buddy cop movie ever. I think it is. There's been some other ones from the 70s. I feel like this is the first modern it's great It's the archetype. Yeah. yeah. This movie has been ripped off, I would say, other than Die Hard and Halloween, probably more times than any movie in the last 40 years. You can't even count how many times this grizzled old cop with a young partner who breaks all the rules has showed up in television. And, you know, it's just basically or the black guy with the white guy or the young guy and the old guy, some variation of this, but this was like the first modern masterpiece of it. Right. And then on top of it, he became the biggest star in the world from this movie and SNL and then trading places. Beverly Hills cop comes out and he's just off. I just don't want people to lose sight of December, 1982 how big this was that mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy had this giant movie and became a big star and hosted SNL the same week. Cause Nick Nolte, the story was always either on drugs or too drunk or whatever. Yeah. Ended up not hosting, had to cancel Eddie Murphy cast member comes in, hosts SNL. Was that a surprise when you like, did you no. see it live? Like what happened? Eddie was like LeBron or Michael Jordan or like, you just knew right away the guy was going to be the biggest star. He would go on Letterman. He just killed every single thing he did. Just killed. None of it was surprising. One of the things I think it's really important to remember about Murphy and that time period in particular, especially as I'm thinking about like watching Predator and Die Hard and some of those action movies back then is at least in my life. And I think it was the case for a lot of kids who are around our age. Yeah. Is you didn't have this access to everything to the extent that you felt like R-rated movies were still a reach. Like you had to work to get into them. And when you saw them, the things that they were introducing you to were sometimes the first time you had been introduced to things like racism, profanity, sex, all these things, nudity. And like Eddie Murphy was really on the cutting edge of all that because he was this thing that you could see on television and you could see in the movies. But the things that he was talking about and the stuff that he was doing was you never heard that before. You'd never heard people talk like that before. So like it was Stripes, Caddyshack, that it was that kind of air, Porky's. Yeah, like did you see Slapshot until you were older? Did you see Slapshot? When I you were somehow a kid? my mom took me to see Slapshot in the theater, and there was just a giant pair of boobs. Fifteen minutes in, I was probably like eight. <laughs> but Slapshot was was fantastic. Yeah, but yeah, it was. You're right. It was really hard to just find stuff, and then especially once a movie was gone, it was gone. Like I remember in the sixth grade, somebody had a birthday party. And they had a copy of Victory with Sly Stallone. Mm-hmm. And the hook of the birthday party was, they're going to show Victory. And it was like, they're going to show it in his living room? Like, it was, we were completely blown away by this. They have a copy of Victory? What? It, yeah. was, it was like, you could have told me Sly Stallone was going to be at the birthday party. It would have been as surprising. <laughs> and I don't know. It was just, it, things were different back then. And Eddie was a comet. And this movie came out. I was living in Stanford, Connecticut. It was the first year I'd moved there because my parents got divorced. So I'm in eighth grade. Movie comes out on a Friday and it's playing at the Avon Theater in Stanford, which was, it was a diverse crowd. But especially for a movie like this, you just had a feeling like this is going to be a lot of, this is going to be a mostly black crowd. Right. It's Friday night. We go early because I was like, this is my guy. We're going. 
And the ele- it was the only time I ever remember like real electricity in the movie theater. People were fucking amped. And Eddie's not in the movie for the first 20 minutes. Almost 30. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. You're just waiting. You're waiting. There's no Eddie. No Eddie. No Eddie. And Jack Cates, the plot of the movie, if you haven't seen it, I can't imagine why you haven't, is somebody kills one of uh, a fellow cop on Jack Cates, who's this grizzled, irascible, lovable racist. Played by Mike Ermintraub from, from Breaking Bad. From oh, Jonathan yeah. The, Banks. The, yeah, yeah. The cat. So this maniac escapes from jail, Gans, who's incredible, shoots these two cops with Nick Nolte's gun, or one, at least one of them with Nick Nolte's gun. The only tie to these guys is in jail, Reggie Hammond, played by Eddie Murphy, and Nick Nolte goes to the prison to go see Eddie Murphy. We haven't seen Eddie for 25 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, no, goes in. He's singing Roxanne. That's how. That's the first time we see Eddie Murphy. In the theater, people were. Like, I can still remember people like. He's singing right. Like, oh my God, there he is. <laughs> he's just and, singing the police. And he's yeah. just off and he's throwing like 130 miles an hour. And I've never been in a theater that enjoyed a movie more in my whole life. What was your number one movie where you're just like, everybody in the theater loves this movie? What a great question. Uh, this is like clearly number one for me. I don't even know what number two is. I saw Rocky Four. Oh, that's on a, a good premiere, one. Rocky, yeah. Premiere night of Rocky Four in Philadelphia. My dad was the movie critic mm. for the Philadelphia Inquirer. And we went to one of the big movie palaces on Chestnut Street when they still had them. I think it was on 17th or 19th in Chestnut. And we went to the premiere and people were losing their fucking minds. Not only because of Philly and Sly, but also because it was Russia. And it was just people were losing like their shit. I forgot about the Rocky series. Yeah, Rocky 2 was... I saw Rocky II as a kid and people, it was like seeing a closed circuit fight yeah, that was real. people were cheering for the movie as yeah. if it was a live sporting yeah. event. Yeah. Well, nobody knew who was going to win. So the studio almost fired Eddie about three, four days in on this shoot because they didn't think he was funny enough. Michael Eisner was running Paramount at the time. Yeah. That's a good what if. That would have been a bad decision. Going back though, the original premise was by Lawrence Gordon, who ended up forming the famous production company with Joel Silver, Gordon Silver. This was like their first big production. Yeah. He had this idea apparently... In 1971, Walter Hillthought, who directed this, this is his masterpiece. He said, initially, the idea was the governor of Louisiana's daughter was kidnapped by a criminal who strapped dynamite to her head and threatened to blow her up in 48 hours if the ransom was not met. The meanest cop goes to the worst prison in the state and gets out the most vicious criminal for his knowledge of the kidnapper who was his cellmate. Obviously, the movie completely changed. It evolved. That's a great idea for a movie, though. Can they still make that one? <laughs> Can we say that? Can Vince Vaughn be in that? Yeah. Can whatever. So anyway, uh, it bounces around for the next 10 years and then finally ends up with Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy. Nick Nolte, to, to set the scene for him, he had this kind of moment in the 70s. Rich Man, Poor Man, which was like this. It was basically Roots was 76, biggest TV miniseries ever. Rich Man, Poor Man the year after becomes like an event, no different than Stranger Things and mm-hmm. Game of Thrones, stuff like that. It was, was like another every big one around like Shogun. Where was some of Shogun was one. Every year Thornbirds, there was one big mini. Yeah. Stormbirds was a good one. Yeah. He becomes an A-lister. He does The Deep with Jackie Bissett, one of my all-time favorites to this day. Uh, does North Dallas 40. Then the wheels kind of come off. Mm-hmm. Heartbeat in 1980, Cannery Row in 1981. I think he had a lot of issues, much like a lot of the celebs back then. Yeah, I think that there were substances and alcohol. Also, around. came out of that 
Brando worshiping crowd of guys who thought you had to live hard to work hard. Yeah, you know? he definitely lived hard. And according to all my research for this movie, drank screwdrivers during the entire filming. And <laughs> screwdrivers are brutal. Screwdrivers, just vodka and orange juice. <laughs> a grown person drinking screwdrivers, so crazy. So he's like, he seems like he's fifty two in this movie, and yeah. he's probably like thirty five. I know it's he. His voice sounds like the only thing he does in the morning is he gargles with Marlboro ashes from last yeah. night. Yeah. He has a flask, which completely makes sense. It doesn't seem like a stretch at all for yeah. Jack Cates. Walter Hill, the director, came off uh, The Warriors in 1978, which was one of the iconic action movies of all time. And will be a, a rewatch. How did you I see think. The Warriors? Did you see that in a theater drive-in? Did you- the Warriors, I remember as a kid, like people protesting. Somebody yeah. got shot. Like My parents never let me go see that. I didn't see that till it hit the cable. Um but he's four people from the Warriors in 48 Hours. Can you name the four people? Sonny Landon. Big Bear. James uh, Ray- Billy Bear. And James Raymar. Gans. Gans. And uh, Luther. Is Luther in it? Luther was Luther in the Warriors. Yeah. He was the evil gang leader. <laughs> he somehow they ran back the name Luther. Um, and then there's the a fourth. fourth one that's like for diehard Walter Hill fans. Okay. The parking attendant is in the gang in the Warriors. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they threw him in there. It's that's like, good. oh, that guy. That's good. The movie made almost $80 million. It was the seventh highest grossing movie of the year. Roger Ebert gave it three and a half stars. He wrote about uh, Eddie Murphy's torture scene, which we'll be breaking down a little bit because this podcast is going to be seven hours. Sometimes an actor becomes a star in just one scene. Jack Nicholson did an easy rider, that, that, that. It happened to Faye Dunaway when she looked sleepily out of a screen window at Warren Beatty and Bonnie and Clyde. And in 48 hours, it happens to Eddie Murphy. And what's great is you felt it in the theater in the moment. Mm-hmm. They know it, it was that great. They know it in the movie. There's so few. That scene is great. But within the context of the film, especially for one. And I hope we talk about this for how ridiculously tight this movie is. Yeah. They build that up. They do a whole pregame ritual outside of it torches. Is. It's like a to game. Set this up and to set up. You can feel the movie basically shifts from Nolte to Murphy there. Because yeah. for the first 45 minutes, it's basically Nick Nolte. He's got a Netto tool as his girlfriend. It's, he's got got to get these. He's got to get Gans. His his captain's breathing down his neck. When are we going to have a date? Well, I'll, I'll get it when I can. <laughs> he's snapping at her left and, and right. And they get to Torchies where they think that they're going to find some information about Billy Bear, the, the Native American guy who's running with Gans. And you can just feel there's a timeout. And they draw up a play for Reggie. They draw up a play for Eddie Murphy, and they're like, you're going to take it from here. Yeah. And the movie's whole sense of energy changes oh, at the Torchies. I was wondering if you might be able to help me find it. Never heard of him. Never heard of him before. Never heard of Billy Bear, huh? Look at here. <laughs> Fucking heard of him now, man? I don't know what the hell you're talking about. And the case for Eddie, just historically, is I think he's the number one person you want in this scene. Oh, I mean, what is it even a question? I mean, can you well, even think of even take away stuff. the racial stuff? Can you think of any actor who could have done that? He's acting hours. against forty-five people in that in that scene. I think Eddie's Eddie's greatness has been has been lost over time a little bit because there's now two generations that think of him. Yeah, it's like the child actor, basically. Or they, they had no idea Eddie Murphy was right. even funny. In this, it's like nobody else goes into that bar and does that. And I don't think anybody else at age 20. No, if they had done prior, I don't think prior, I don't think it plays the same. It's It plays 
like like the movie, the other movies that prior. It's more slapsticky. Yeah, it's more like kind of crazy. I I just don't think he could have channeled it. You know, if you put like Denzel Washington in there, it's a, it's just not as funny. And there's there's really nothing. Will Smith doesn't have that kind of visceral kind of anger that Eddie has in it. There's just it's not happening. Plus, who pulls off the bullshit? You're too fucking stupid to have a job. <laughs> My favorite line of the movie. Well, you loaded here. Who the fuck did you get this? Tax refund. Bullshit. Too fucking stupid to have a job. So I good. They cut to Nolte just yeah. laughing. I don't like white people. <laughs> it's phenomenal. So let's talk about an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Are you happy with their mattress? I love it. Casper mattresses. Because my, my memory- mattress is a Casper. That's why I love it. Oh, supportive memory foams. An award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right. I don't need to tell you. Just the right bounce. If you try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home, if you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially considering you're going to spend a third of your life on it. They offer free shipping and returns to U.S. and Canada with over 20,000 reviews. It's quickly becoming the Internet's favorite mattress and an average of 4.8 stars, I should add. They mailed me a mattress two years ago. I've been using it ever since. I started sleeping better. Now... You can get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash rewatchables using offer code rewatchables. Terms and conditions apply. Again, casper.com slash rewatchables code rewatchables. Before we hit the categories, anything you want to hit? Any big picture stuff? You want me to talk about Walter Hill really quick? Yeah. Um, I just want to say that rewatching this as I did this week, um, it's really wild to see how much closer this is to the 70s than it is the 80s. And I think that I forgot about that before rewatching it. There's these shots, especially in the police precinct in the beginning of the film when they first get back from the police shooting. And he's got a camera on the, the entire office. And it pans a little bit, but it's mostly static. And while Nick Nolte is doing this whole rigmarole about like going to check ballistics and talking to uh, Kehoe about getting a yeah. new gun... People are just walking in front of the camera. It's much more like a Robert Altman movie than it is like a uh, Michael Bay movie. You know what I mean? It's way closer to that feel. And I think that has a lot to do with its success. But we think of it as, well, this is where the 80s start. This is where Eddie Murphy comes in. This is where these high concept action comedies start. This is the this is the beginning of Joel Silver and his reign. But it really does feel more like a 70s Walter Hill movie, like a Sam Peckinpah movie or something than it does an 80s movie. And that was the thing that really jumped out at me. I'm not positive this is true, but I think it's true. Until this movie, it felt like if it was an action movie, it was an action yes. movie. And if it was a comedy, it was a comedy. Yes. Nobody kind of tried to do both at the same time. And this and this led to 15 years, you know, Last Boy Scout, Lethal Weapon, all these movies, Beverly Hills Cop, even Midnight Run, which is not, it doesn't have the same racial dynamics, but it's like these two people put it's in, in a the tight spiritual situation. spiritual class of, of it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think when I was growing up, the action movies were always like the Clint Eastwood types. And it was always like one detective trying to find the killer mm-hmm. or, or one detective who's a little bit of a loose cannon. Or like the sheriff or, you know, there's a lot of more Westerns back then. Yeah. The Streets of San Francisco was a big TV show in the in the 70s that had um, Michael Carl Douglas Malden and Michael there, right? Douglas. Yeah. So that was kind of the old young dynamic. Nobody really did the black cop, white cop thing. No, I mean, I, I just, I don't even think we can overstate how lit like for as much as some of the racial dynamics in this movie may have aged poorly to some people. And I, I could totally... I could totally understand why I, 
I think that there are some moments that have aged better than others. This was just simply stuff you did not see in movies. Right. I mean, right. maybe not since In the Heat of the Night. And on Walter Hill, like, it's weird. He's had, He had some huge misses, and he had two of the iconic movies ever. Yeah. Also, a lot of what-ifs, because he was slated to make Alien. Yeah. So there's a lot of what-ifs in his I'm career. with you that this feels like it's a 70s movie that happened in 1982, but feels like a, a last- movie. Yeah. It's a last vestige of the 70s. Yeah. And Nolte is a very 70s actor. And the way he performs, very, very 70s. Yeah, absolutely. Frumpled the whole thing. Cable really took off in 1982. That's when people started to get it, you know? And they like, I remember that was the year is that my when mom's HBO house. shows up or? HBO was earlier, but you got the box. Okay. They, they actually put a box on top of the TV and that's, you turned it on and it flipped over. But Cable 82 was early MTV. Um, How long? But it would take a little while for these movies to show up on Well, cable. that's what I mean. Yeah. So by 84, mm-hmm. cable's in. Everybody has cable, or at least has MTV and ESPN, all this stuff. And because this movie is so HBO, groundbreaking. And a Cinemax. Yeah. And this was on all the time. And this is so groundbreaking that it plays for 10, 12 years. You know what I mean? Like oh, you, yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't feel out of date in 87, Probably. Or 94, 98. Then yeah. DVDs, it had another run. It basically hit all the checkpoints you'd want to hit as a movie. It had the cable run. Then it had the uh, the the VHS run, DVD. Then it goes to Blu-ray and then Screaming. And Halloween was like that too, where it's just every uh, everything in the genre you want to hit. All right, categories. Most rewatchable scene. I narrowed it down to the hotel shootout, which is... Really, really gripping, but especially now with the added bonus of the Breaking Bad guy, is who at that time you knew him as the 48 Hours Cop. Torchies is amazing. Jack going to see Eddie in prison. The uh, Reggie Ham and Jack Cates fight, which we'll break down later. The Busboys slash Eddie calling Jack Cates and then Jack Cates going to Romans to go see him. <laughs> Two straight Busboys songs. Yeah. The Busboys had a moment. Did then, they? Then they did the uh, they did Eddie Murphy Delirious. Okay, which is now unwatchable. It's so it's the content is so important. But uh, yeah, they were they did the opening song for that too, and it was like wow, the Busboys. Did you ever have like them. a Busboys tape? No, they only had these two songs. Okay, yeah, but Eddie tried to prop them up, didn't happen. Anyway, most rewatchable scene. I it has to be Torchies. It is Torchies. Don't think, but don't we had to it. mention uh, the other ones. Torchies, yeah. the setup to Torchies, the actual Torchies, never gets old. So many great moments. Why don't you have a white Russian, uh, black Russian? Heard I hate now. white people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm your worst fucking nightmare. I mean, it's just, it's it's one of the best four minutes ever in a movie. Let me say it one more time, okay? This is a police man and I'm looking for an Indian named Billy Bear. I know everybody in here wants to cooperate with me. Some of our citizens are behind you all the way, officer. It's so good. One of the things I noticed is the cutaways to Dolty are great because he's sitting there and he's like, should I jump in? Should I not? When the glass breaks, he does this little look up. I love his, some of us concerned citizens are behind (laughs) you 100%, officer. Um, The thing where he's just like, Why'd you run? And he's just like, I'm on parole, man. And he's yeah, just yeah. like, get the trash down. It's just, there's so many little moments, but 
just as an assertion of a power over a room, I, I can't even think of anything like that in the history of movies where somebody walks into a room and completely shuts it down like that. There, there's been a couple others. Like my daughter and I watched Pretty Woman two weeks ago, which mm-hmm. she had never seen. And Julie Roberts is just a massive star in that movie. And you you left that. She had had a couple at bats before, but in the even when you went to that movie, you're like, wow, she's going to be the biggest star in the world. Yeah. Like, like women liked her and guys were attracted to her and she's great. And it's hard to imagine anyone else in that role. But we've seen other variations of Julia Roberts. We, we've still not seen another Eddie. The uh, Quickly talk about the other ones. The Hotel Shootout. Grimy. Pretty, pretty gruesome. It's, it's violent. And it was a violent time for movies. That 82 to 83 stretch. Like some of the death wishes were really violent mm-hmm. and uh, the horror movies are horribly violent. It's just like, it was almost like uh, how they just started pushing the envelope with how far they would go. That that scene is probably 10% too violent. Yeah. I mean, I think that it also goes, they make Gans so crazy and so psychotic in this movie. Yeah. And he just like loves shooting cops, which is just not something that you would see in movies these days. He hates like, cops. Yeah. Not in a like I'm a serial killer way. Just a just a guy who's in jail who hates cops. Yeah, we're gonna get to Gantz. Jack going to see Eddie in prison. There's a deleted scene that sometimes you can see if it's on regular TV or basic TV where they have to stretch it out by a couple minutes. It's a Neto Tools big scene that gets cut after he gets um, permission to go get the whatever. It's this whole scene where they're walking and he's like, "This Gantz guy is crazy." I'm really rolling the dice here. I'm going to see this guy in prison. They set it up. And actually, I'm surprised they cut it out of the movie. It's a stra- it's strange because they, they have plenty of room to work. I mean, it's such a short movie. And they spend so much time in the beginning on the two shootouts. Yeah. That it's essentially a 50-minute movie once you start with Eddie Murphy. The busboy's apology scene. When you talk about how, like, how clean and tight this movie is, that is just a beautifully edited yeah. scene. The music's great. Reggie, you're so happy Reggie's at a bar with women because the whole movie, he just wants to get laid. He's sitting on prostitutes. Jack's doing his 64 Cadillac. He's veering it around corners, ramming into things. And it's it's uh, really tight. Uh, casting what ifs. Torchies for most rewatchable scene. Yeah. And I, and I want to go into Torchies. Uh, we're going to go into a little bit more later. In the late 70s, this movie almost happened with Clint Eastwood and Richard Pryor. And Eastwood decided to do Escape from Alcatraz instead. Hmm. So he wanted to be in San Francisco some more. Clint Eastwood and Richard Pryor, I'm sure it's not even 10% as racist, right? <laughs> Clint's, sure? not, Clint's yeah. not doing any of that stuff, yeah. I don't feel like. And Richard Pryor, it just becomes a different movie. It becomes like a, it becomes a Richard Pryor like movie. Bruce Millions, yeah. yeah. Stir crazy. Stir crazy, yeah. Yeah, it would have been like that. It would have been more, uh, probably sillier. Was she- Blue Collar around this time? Because he was really coming apart on the movie sets around this time. Yeah, I mean, 82 is when he set himself on fire. Yeah. That's when you know you have a drug problem when you actually <laughs> you set, set yourself, yourself on, fire. on fire. Jeff Bridges turned down Jack Cates. Did That's not want really to do another enough. cop movie. This definitely, I, I can't imagine anybody being better than Nolte. If it was Jeff Bridges going method actor, putting on 20 pounds, being like, I'm going to really explore this guy and get dark. I think he would have been pretty good. It's strange how much I associate Nick Nolte with this character still. I think this character was Nick Nolte. Yeah, but like if Ed Harris had done this, I think I would have just yeah. been like, I would have moved past it. But I still think of Nick Nolte as Jack Cates. Gregory Hines was the first choice for Reggie. Dropped out to do Cotton Club. I have a lot of Gregory Hines thoughts. Do you like Running Scared? 
I Billy absolutely love Running Scared, and I get upset that Gregory Hines didn't do more action comedy. Yeah, Running Scared, by the way, total forty eight hours ripoff. But oh yeah, I thought Gregory Hines was really funny Except in that movie. Unlike forty eight hours, Running Scared is like you know what would be great a twenty five minute trip to Florida. Let's yeah, just move no to reason. the Florida Keys with a Michael McDonald song. <laughs> and we'll just listen to Michael McDonald and, and open a bar, roller skate. <laughs> by the way, that part of Running Scared is the movie I wanted it's the whole awesome. time. Yeah. It's fantastic. I wish I more movies were like Jimmy what if Smith's. these guys left Detroit and just moved to Florida. Yeah, that was great. Well, anyway, Gregory Hines, I think, would have been pretty good. I don't, obviously, not as good as Eddie Murphy. And then allegedly, Sly Stallone and Burt Reynolds both turned down Jack Cates. But it seems like any movie from that era, they always say Sly Stallone and Burt Reynolds turned it down if they didn't do it. Burt Reynolds could have gone in a bad place with Jack Cates. Yes. I don't know if I would have liked that. Yeah. And I think he would have Burt Reynolds today. I think he would have ruined the movie. Although Sly. he's pretty good at being in those kinds of like tight, like I thought, like, you know, in Longest Yard, if Longest Yard Burt Reynolds shows up, that's pretty good. What's aged the best? Young Eddie Murphy, James Remar as Gans. The soundtrack crossed with San Francisco, soundtrack made by James Horner. Phenomenal sound score. One of the all timers. Yeah. In fact, they used some of it in Commando three years later, and yeah. I was like angry about it. It's like, don't, don't, you don't get to do that. He, like, he likes hours. to go to his steel drums a lot. Yeah. This is, he was pretty much the soundtrack to my movie childhood because he did, uh, I think Alien and Aliens definitely did Terminator, I think, and then he did this. Before they, they go to stake out Gans and Billy Bear at the subway, when they're waiting outside the parking garage in the morning. Yeah. That the three minute soundtrack there I actually would want the BS podcast with the that clarinet to be the theme song <laughs> and I was like I wonder if James Horner's alive no he died two years ago so if James Horner's estate is listening I want the I want that theme for my podcast the Torchy scene is aged phenomenally um, the police is Roxanne it's, it's a yeah. nice little time capsule. I don't it's even nice know. If it, if it had fallen out of popularity, it would have been a tough intro because you'd just be like, what's he singing? Right. Yeah. But it, it turned out they picked one of the most iconic songs they could have picked from that Did era. Did you ever have a Walkman with a microphone that you could yell oh, into? Yeah. Okay. Well, that, I don't remember yelling it into the <laughs> whatever. But like a, that really could have gone wrong. Like what if they were singing Dexie's Midnight yeah, Runners or there? Or Come On I Lead. Or yeah. like some, something bad could happen. Uh, I think the busboys have aged really well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It kind of, you watch it now and you go, hey, what happened to the bus boys? Yeah. Why didn't they make it? And then uh, the incredible final, final scene when uh, he finally gets laid and he comes out. Jack's waiting for him with his car. You're going to take the money. You don't want it. You don't want all of it. No, no, I'm good. I just want enough for a new car. He steals his lighter. Jack catches him. Incredibly well written. I'm going to go, Reggie, just the, the Eddie Murphy performance has aged the best. I agree. Young Eddie. But- you're really getting. I'm now coming back around on the bus boys and wondering why. Did every city have their own Huey Lewis ripoff? <laughs> I don't know. That was just like a bar band. And I, you know, like I know in Philly they had the Young Rumblers. And like I'm sure every town had like a legendary, almost could have been the next Springsteen band. I think the problem is all their songs probably sounded like because the first song they sing in 48 Hours before it goes to Boys Are Back in Town 
is I'm going downtown and I'm gonna <laughs> buy me some new shoes. That's what every song of yeah. the era is Which about. doesn't really sound much I'm different. getting dressed to go out tonight. Yeah. Just, that's the, all they cared about. Or we're back in town. Or we're back. Yeah. I was out. I'm getting dressed that or the boys are back. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, I think. Uh, but young those Eddie, bands would write songs with the express purpose of getting a Friday night residency at a bar. Like right. they didn't have like we're not trying to write the White Album or Sgt. Pepper. We're trying to get. Right. We're trying to play Torchies or Romans. Well, both of those songs could have been played by the Blues Brothers in the Blues Brothers yeah. movie, right? So I take it that if you're saying all this stuff about the Bus Boys, that you are less into the country music band. At, at torches. torches, yeah, <laughs> with like that song was pretty good too. <laughs> do, 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 yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think Young Eddie is re- aged the best, and I don't want to step on the Gans section that's coming later. Yeah, I don't want you to sleep on how good James Remar was as Gans, one of the great psycho on the loose characters ever, if not number one. I don't even know who I'd put ahead of him on the psychos on the loose. Who would you put ahead of him? Realistic psychos on the loose. This guy's like. Even the hooker says at some point, uh, I don't think you're going to catch him because I think he likes shooting cops when he's getting laid. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I want in my psycho. Doesn't even care about the prostitutes. Been in jail for three years. I don't think there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of competition for him, man. I don't think so. You know, it's like, what do you get? Tommy Lee Jones in Under Siege like 10 years later? Yeah. The the guys in the eighties were more slick businessmen like Alan Rickman in Die Hard. Yeah. Yeah. What's age the worst? Um, Annette O'Toole, they really could have thrown her a couple more scenes. Although Jack I really Hates enjoy the fact that they really commit to her maitre d' job. And they show her at the restaurant multiple times. Yeah. So it's like they they screw up her backstory, but they're like, we're going to make sure we show yeah. that she is frustrated. She's at yeah. a restaurant gig. She hates her job. Yeah. Man, what's her problem? Ah, she hates her job. <laughs> what else is age the worst? Not seeing Eddie for 25 minutes, I think, is a weird choice in retrospect. They reveal him like he's the shark in Jaws. I think you I don't do know have if they to should have, have done those, it that way. What happens to one of the things that grounds it in reality is the fact that stuff is going so haywire in the city that they are there at the last resort and that they are turning to guys who are in federal prison to help them out because yeah, okay. then, you know they've got a they've had a prison a prison break and they've had a cop shooting in twenty four hours. Okay, yeah. Reggie Hammond's stuntman in the fight scene. <laughs> There's two cutaways where it's so clearly not Eddie Murphy. Yeah. He's like 20 years older. Yeah. Uh, incredible fight scene. Every basic cable TV showing with the bleeps. Oh, man. This is one of the most savaged basic cable TV movies that we have. Midnight Run is is the number one on the Mount Rushmore of movies that just can't be on TNT because of the swears. I got two words for you. Shut the uh, up. (laughs) Like it just doesn't work. Watching 48 hours under the prism of what we know eventually happens eight years later in another 48 hours. That has an age. I, I I actually don't really mind another 48 hours. I don't know if this is a controversial opinion, but Uh, let's, let's save this till the end. Okay. Cause then I'm going to beat you with a pillow. (laughs) And then finally, what's age the worst? Our winner, uh, the rampant racism. (laughs) Oh my God. It gets worse every year. (laughs) It's so racist. How is this my favorite movie ever? Um, I think that the thing that ages the worst Uh -uh. is actually probably the treatment of women. 
in the movie. Not even just Annette O'Toole's flat storyline, but just like prostitutes. Random fact that Jack Cates needs to choke out Billy Bear's girlfriend at the end of it to find out, like, is he upstairs or not? And it's just like a lot of two women get hit at some point. And and you have to understand in the 80s, it was just like nobody walked into a room without there being a naked lady sitting on the bed watching TV. But there's a lot of like random, like, oh, she just watching cartoons with her top off. Um, But yeah, these are great points. Pretty bad. I would also add in, and I don't know if we were going to get to, uh, it, it's hard to do the vernacular of this movie, but let me tell you a little bit about, this movie did a had a bad influence on me in only one way, and that was introducing me to the word trim, which really has had trim. a short lifespan yeah, in American bad. vernacular, but... <laughs> I just thought it was like, that's that's going to be what we call it, right? We just yeah. say we're on a trim hunt. I'm trying to get some trim. No one has said that since 48 yeah. hours. I was left all alone on that. <laughs> when you saw it, did you, did you guys use trim ever? No, nah, I mean, I, I was 13. I <laughs> didn't even know what was going on. But I will say like that was part of the greatness of seeing this movie when you were 13 in 1982 was hearing Eddie Murphy swear. Yeah. Yeah, because I had had the I think he had had the one comedy album at that point where he swore on that. But just seeing him in a movie, being able to drop f bombs, is he the, was so he's the greatest greatest profanity user of all time? I Nobody's think. ever sworn better than yeah. him. China, who else would even be in the conversation? Prior, that's it. But it's I think Eddie is just like it was like watching somebody play. It was like watching Jordan shoot. Who uh, who from the last thirty years is Carlin? I mean, you'd have to go with rappers and stuff. I mean, George I, I George Carlin, like Tupac, people like good. that. Yeah. Profanity Rushmore is actually pretty good. I'd like Profanity to know Rushmore is a good one. Nominations. Yeah, if for you that. have any ideas for that, uh, Sam Jackson. Oh yeah, yes, Sam Jackson. Zach Mack. Sam Jackson, great one. If you have any ideas, the mailbag at theringer.com. So the racism, Pesci. Sorry, it leads to the worst apology. Pesci is good. It leads to the worst apology maybe in the history of movies. After Jack calls him just terrible things, racial slurs we've heard, the racial swear slurs you don't hear that often, One like that dust apparently him off. Nick Nolte was just like trying to get, he would go up to Reggie, he would go up to Eddie Murphy on the set and be like, you should call me this, or I should call you that. And Eddie Murphy's like, what are you talking about? Man? Right. <laughs> well, he's Nick Nolte, there's this documentary in 2008 about Nick Nolte that I didn't see, but apparently he talked about this movie. He said they improvised a lot of the dialogue. Most of the stuff between him and Eddie Murphy was like, they came up with on the set. You know, it, Jack Cates, I guess his, his, it's 1982, his modus operandi was, I got to keep this guy down. I think it's also that he was like a racist bad. white cop, yeah. And he was also a racist. Yeah. That was another reason. Um, but then when he apologizes for his, ah, and he says all the, all this uh, N word, watermelon, uh, I didn't mean all that stuff. I was just doing my job, keeping you down. And then there's a silence and Eddie Murphy's like, well, doing your job doesn't explain everything. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, ah, and then Eddie Murphy does the laugh and it's over and they're friends. And it's just like, yeah, oh, let's let those racial slurs be bygones. He gives that little speech in the precinct where he says to his captain, he's like, this guy's got more integrity yeah. than any part of I've ever had. Yeah. And the ca- captain's like, just because you say it forcefully doesn't make it so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he says the N word too. And he's just yeah, like, he I called, said it. That's right. I called him. Yeah. And it's like, wow, this is just like, uh, here's the question you have to ask yourself with 48 hours is, is this movie teaching us anything about race relations? Is it have anything deeper to say, no. or is it just riding out on screen? On, on the sort of wow factor, scaring you a little bit. No, because you have the- to remember, it's 1982, and America is still kind of racist. And yeah. it was completely realistic that Jack Cates could be this lovably irascible racist cop. Yeah. 
that is just like, oh, all right. But, but think about it. Like you're talking 15 years before we hadn't even had the Detroit riots yet or, or Watts or any of that stuff. And in 1975, like the people in Massachusetts are rioting because yeah, the of 80s busing. Were pretty bad too. Yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> but it's like, this is on the heels of all this stuff. So racism was kind of bubbling all right. the time so anyway. You, but I'm saying like, do you feel like, I think it made sense for the character. Yeah. It just has aged badly because ultimately we're supposed to really like this character. And I still do. But he does bad things in the movie. and But I'm so used to them, it doesn't bother me. But then when you haven't seen it in a while and you watch it, you're like, oh, my God. It's interesting because like in future movies, I feel like this happens a little bit in Last Boy Scout. It definitely happens in Die Hard 3. I'm trying to think of other examples but not and not just Bruce Willis ones where the older cop figure will be a little bit um, over con- the top. He'll be condescending in a racially tinged way, but yeah. not as explicitly racist as Jack Cates was. And then what will happen is... He'll finally get confronted. He's like, I'm not racist. I just hate idiots or whatever, yeah, yeah. You know, whatever it is to kind of rush hour. Yeah. Rush hour. Yeah. I mean, like, it, I, I think that nothing ever dealt with it as explicitly. And I, I just have no idea what people would think if they saw this movie today. If you're like 22 and you watch this, you might just be like, what the fuck? Am I, what is this? Yeah. We root for flawed people all the time in movies yeah. and some of the best movies, the movies that we love. Like we did the heat rewatchables and Neil McCauley is like a horrible guy. Yeah. And I, and I just want him to get away at the end and I want him to have uh, him and Edie to <laughs> get back together. So yeah. I was bummed out that he walked away when the heat it's was a around the corner. To Murphy that, that it kind of, it winds up not being the most talked about thing in this movie. Yeah. Cause he, he diffuses it too. And that diffuses it in that, uh, that one bar scene, but man, um, I'll be interested if, if, People under 25 who've never seen this movie, I'll be really interested to see what they think. Half-assed internet research corner. Here we go. James Remar often went without sleep before shooting his scenes to give Gans more of a psychotic look. Or, I totally believe is that. that. just because he was hanging out with Nick Nolte all <laughs> or, or he was with Nick Nolte every night. One or the other. When I moved to LA in the, in the uh, early 2000s, then I moved neighborhoods and James Remar lived in my neighborhood. And I would see him having coffee and stuff and like just hanging out with his dog. And I always just expected him to be like, come on! And just start shooting people. (laughs) Jack Cates, apparently the inspiration for Sonny Crockett in Miami Vice. Now it all makes sense. You believe that? I I, I don't disbelieve it. They could have been brothers. Okay. I mentioned two deleted scenes that... uh, I don't even know if there's a 48 hours Blu-ray, but the uh, the one with Kate's and his girlfriend, then there's an extended Roman scene apparently with Eddie Murphy dancing and a whole, and I'm not positive I've ever seen that. Song? Yeah. Maybe there's a third bus boy song. Eddie Murphy going up to the guy and being like, this is my wife. Yeah. <laughs> I got red money for one buck. <laughs> hey, this is my wife. You whispering in my wife's ear? I got rent money for one night. Like a pussy make you brave, man. Uh, I also love the bartender in Romans. Yeah. You come here a lot, Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> come here often, Holmes. <laughs> Reggie Hammond was initially named Willie Biggs. Huh. But Eddie thought it was too cliche and, and borderline racist and convinced him to change it. And they eventually became up with Reggie Hammond. This one stunned me. Zach Mack, you better. Oh, you're, good thing you're seated. <laughs> the 1964 blue Cadillac in this movie has been restored and painted silver and is now owned by Vanilla Ice. Really? The same car? The same car. Okay. Owned by Vanilla Ice. I'm going to go to his house tonight and steal it. 48 Hours Diaries? Uh-huh. 
screenwriter uh, Larry Gross who worked on the movie. He kept the diary during the whole thing. These diaries are online and came out like 10 years ago and feature a ton of stories about what it was like on the set. And it stops after like five, but you're not going to believe this, but Sonny Landon was a maniac and had to be bailed out of jail. And there's a whole bunch of Sonny Landon. There's crazy Nick Nolte. Can we do the the crazy internet research subcategory Sonny Landon now? Yes, go ahead. Okay. Sonny Landon plays Billy Bear in this movie. Incredibly. Former pornographic film star, mm-hmm. acted in porno movies, yep. and then uh, sort of made the transition to mainstream films. Much via, like yourself. Via Walter Hill. So he played a cop in Warriors. Then he was in this really underrated movie called Southern Comfort. If yep. you haven't gotten a chance Powers to see Booth. it. Yeah, you got to check on, that who out. Who are you talking to, Chris I'm Ryan. saying to our listeners. He's in Poltergeist and 48 Hours in 82. Yeah. He did Predator, Action Jackson, and Lock Up. Then he did a couple more movies in the 90s. Good in Lockup. Yeah, he's good in Lockup. some scenes in Lockup. I have some Lockup thoughts if you're ever ready for them. Some of his character names I really enjoy. Uh, Hunter in Southern Comfort. Yeah. Billy Soul in Predator and Billy Bear in 48 Hours. Mr. Quick in Action Jackson and Chink Weber in Lockup. (laughs) So that that one's still aged well. And then he went on to have quite the interesting political career where he multiple times ran for office in Kentucky, uh, once for governor, once against Mitch McConnell in as a libertarian candidate in the Senate, and then he passed away this year. So, Sonny Landon. Wow. American Lives. The Dion Waiters Best Heat Check Performance by a Role Player Award. Our nominees. First of all, congratulations to all the nominees. <laughs> <laughs> what a category this year. Give yourself a round of applause. All the nominees. Wow. I'm open. <laughs> wow. Not since uh, Heat, have yeah. we, have, when we did the Heat pod, have we had this many nominees for the Dion Waiters Award. We mentioned James Ramirez as Gans. Sonny Landham as Billy Bear. Sonny Landham, what's his basketball box score in this movie? It's like Ben Wallace in in ninety in, in 2006. 17 rebounds yeah. in nine minutes, five block shots. Plus 40. Yeah. Jonathan Banks is uh, the cop who gets shot. Yeah. Don't give him the gun. Don't give it to him. No, don't you do that for me. Brian James is Keo. Yeah. Who I hate Keo because he becomes the bad he guy in 48 hours. hours, hours too, which 48 I'll hours, never yeah. forgive him. Olivia Brown, future Miami Vice star. Plays the girl who falls for Reggie Hibbett in a minute. Yeah. I have to go with- uh, And then finally, James Ramar and Gans, who's our winner. I, I Can I actually dispute that? Okay. And go with Frank McRae as Captain Hayden? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Why? Now, I saw the report on that little piece of shit. If he spent one legal day on his life, it'll be a record. Now, this is it for you. Suspension, review board, you've had it. As soon as it get around, you protecting a car rather than the other God damn it. A lot of great angry captains. But Cobb, a, is it Cobb in Beverly Hills Cop? Yeah. Who, who chews out Axel? He's like, is that fucking Foley? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but Frank McRae as Captain Aid is a really great 80s cop captain. He was the cop in like five different movies, yeah, too. I, I can't believe he doesn't say, I want your gun and your badge in this movie, but yeah. Yeah. So you're going to go Raymar, though? Yeah, I can you not. I, I respect your choice, Thanks. but this is what makes it such a great category. Yeah, I, something about Gans doesn't doesn't sit right with you. It's just that he's so evil. He's so evil, in this but he's movie. believably evil though. He's sure. never not evil in a way that killing like nine cops over five hundred thousand dollars. What he really likes doing? Wild. Yeah. Apex Mountain. 
Another great category. Congratulations to all the nominees. Eddie Murphy. I'll say yes. I'll say yes over Beverly Hills Cop, yeah. I think Cop was his apex. Cop's a better overall performance. Because Cop, he's carrying it by himself. But does he ever ever go for for 30 and 15 like he does in this movie? He went for like 40 and 25 in this one. Cop was like, he left 48 hours and Cop comes out and he doesn't have Dick Dalton. He doesn't have Dan Aykroyd. It's like, this is my movie. Mm -hmm. I'm the star of it. And it becomes bigger than the other two. You would put both of those over trading places. Yeah, because Eddie was by far, it was like him and Michael Jackson were the two biggest stars in the world after Cop. Yeah. So I would say that. Nick Nolte, I'm going to say no. You're going to go Blue Chips, Prince Tides? Probably North Dallas 40, like just for where people thought his career was going, right? For for success, you would go Prince of Tides, right? Yeah, I'm looking. I mean, tough one. He never. I guess maybe he never really had an apex. He's like he's good in he's good in Cape Fear. I'm gonna say no apex. Or if you're gonna say rich man poor man was watched by like 50 million people. He's really good in Who Will Stop the Rain. But yeah, yeah a lot of like nice really good, run there. but not like definitively incredible. North Dallas Forty is probably his best performance. Like yeah. he really, you really do think he played in the NFL. Yeah, Walter Hill. I'm gonna actually say Long Riders, which is his western that he did right around this time about the James Gang. But this is this is very high. I'm going to say this one. Okay, I think what was cool about this movie, San Francisco, is such a good movie character, mm-hmm. and rarely does it get maximized like it does in this movie. But it, it doesn't always have to be an action movie that maximizes it either, right? Like Mrs. Doubtfire sure. is a San Francisco movie, yeah, but it's a comedy, and even like Pacific Heights is a very San Francisco it's a great movie. Cop. cop- Setting to bullets there, you know, dirty Some good there. Eastwood movies yeah. from there. Uh, what was the Steve McQueen movie? Bullet. Yeah, Bullet. Yeah. yeah, this is like a classic. Just kind of makes you want to go to San Francisco. Yeah, they captured that with the soundtrack, all that stuff. He did a great job, and it was kind of a cow town. So I mean, it historically was a, a cow town, but captures some of the sort of backwaterness of it that I obviously probably isn't there anymore. Is the Sunny Landham's apex? No, Predator is when he cuts himself across his chest with a knife and yeah. waits for the Predator out of the yeah. <laughs> That's the apex. Plus, like, in Predator, he's basically on the same bill with Schwarzenegger yeah. and Carl Weathers and all these and Ventura. guys. Ventura. Yeah, and Ventura. His political mentor. James Remar, 100% yes. My he's wife been wanted a lot me of to stuff. say that James Remar in Sex in the City is James Remar's apex mountain. Maybe with women. Yeah. Resonates a little bit more. He's also great in The Warriors and then um, has kind of an ignominious ending. He gets rough with the female cop for no reason. And just uh, you go from like he's this badass character that you're not supposed to like, but you do. But then you're like, oh, wait, wait, guy, come on, man. He's just in four or five movies a year. I mean, he's more just like a working. He's in a lot. Yeah. He's in. I was watching What Lies Beneath at two in the morning the other day. He's in that one. Yeah. Olivia Brown, her apex was uh, Miami Vice. What about Frank McCray? Yeah, You're the I think world's this, biggest Frank McCray fan. I think that Frank topped out here. Okay. Unintentional comedy word. I got to say, not a lot of unintentional comedy in this. The uh, It's really all intentional comedy and it's successful. There is one funny moment, though, when um, Jack and Reggie kick, kick the shit out of each other. You know Frank McCray used to play defensive tackle for the Bears? I did not. Yeah. They kick the shit out of each other. Yeah. They go to the bathroom. You're going to tell me right now or we're going to do this again. Reggie finally tells him what's up. They go wait for the car in the parking garage, wake up the next morning, and Luther comes and the whole day goes. But Reggie goes to bed in the back seat of the car. Yeah. He's like, Jack, tell me a bedtime story. <laughs> Fuck you. Oh, that's one of my favorites. And then he falls asleep and they keep the camera on Nolte and Nolte has like, 
He has a hit of his flask and he's looking around and then he just looks into the camera before they cut. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they kept it. I think he's just drunk. I thought you were going to say that the unintentional comedy is the idea that Eddie Murphy could sleep in the backseat of a sedan an open top sedan after in having San Francisco sh- after being in a fight with McDonald's when it's like 30 degrees at night in San Francisco and, he's, yeah, and he's always had to eat was a Zagnut. The other unintentional comedy is just Jack's apology is nigger and watermelon. I didn't make that stuff. I was just doing my job, keeping you down. Yeah, well, doing your job don't explain everything, Jack. Yeah, you're right. Just that Eddie accepts it. It's yeah. just the whole thing's hilarious. Picking nits. I got a lot of picking nits. Jack Gates giving Jack Gates giving up his gun. Oh, to, when or when Jonathan Banks has been shot. Yeah, but not isn't dead yet, and he's still he, he. It's not like it seems like he has a plan. Is that is that like that's not police procedure in 1982? Is to be like, yeah, I'm just gonna hand over my gun. It wasn't great. Plus. Yeah. These guys have already shot cops. It's not like one cop's going to be enough. Like they've already crossed every line there is. Yeah. I don't know if I'm giving up my gun. I think it's a Mexican standoff at that point. Why was Reggie's car in the parking garage for that long? Well, that's where the money is, right? If Luther had the keys, why didn't he just go get the money? <laughs> why did he wait until Gans broke out of prison? And yeah. then he's like, oh, I guess I'll go get the money now. It's like, you had the keys all the time. You could have just gotten the money at any point. Yeah. Why leave it in the car? Yeah. Why does he have the keys? What happens to Rosalie? So Luther gets shot in the bus. Rosalie screams. And then we never see Rosalie again. Yeah. I, I'm going to assume she gets killed. I guess Maybe so. they cut that. They're like, this movie's been horrible enough to women already. <laughs> yeah. We'll save the Rosalie thing. Wouldn't there have been a bigger manhunt for for Gans after he killed two cops? Yeah, unless you're in, unless it's supposed to be kind of like that early '80s, like the way it was in New York, where it's just like the city is just under such siege with budget stuff that it's not like you can roll out like a a dragnet. But it does seem like they're just like, you know, those guys give Nick Cates a really hard time. It's like, yeah, Cates, you get cops killed, right? You know, and then there's like, but it's like it seems like only Cates is on it. Cates calls to see to see if there are any messages. When Reggie Hammond, when they finally part ways after the subway thing, and Reggie goes one way to follow the money. Reggie goes to Romans, yeah. Right. Kate's goes the other way. Yeah. Kate's calls. There's like 30 people in the police station. It's like business <laughs> as usual. It's like, what about the cop killer who's murdering all the cops out there? Where, why aren't you guys sweating it? Do you believe Reggie's suit would cost $957? Seemed like a lot so of money back the then. adjusted inflation If you that? bought Is a suit like a now for $957, I'd be like, whoa, okay. Yeah, but isn't it like a $2,000 suit? That's like a, that would be a, a inflation adjusted. That's yeah. like a $10,000 suit. Hmm. He likes to look well, it likes for ladies. I think they should have said 457 So they wake up in the morning. Luther's not going to cross you. The boy doesn't have the heart. Uh, Luther just crossed the street. Luther goes, gets the car. They chase him. They go to the subway. Near shootout in the subway. Gans and Billy Bear escape. Jack Cates is... Going to be arrested by the cops. I don't know if there's a cop yet. Reggie Hammond runs after the money. I'm going to say it's like 9.30 in the morning. Yeah. 9.35. <laughs> the next time we see anyone, it's at night. Right, because they wake up. He wakes up. The he garage, says the opens, garage at opens at 9 o'clock. Oh, no, thought, 9. Okay, 9. Okay. Yeah. So it's been like a 30-minute car chase, let's say. Reggie's gone for... Let's say daylight savings. Let's say it's getting early. Maybe it's they made the movie no, he's in December gone for twelve hours. It's gone nine, for by 10 the time to he 12 calls hours. Romans. Yeah, 
what's Jack Cates doing that all time? <laughs> is anyone worried that Jack Cates has now lost? He's lost uh, the cop killers now twice. He's now lost this guy that he sprung for 48 hours, has no idea where he is. Reggie Hammond follows whoever to the hotel, Luther. Yeah. There's like eight hours that pass. What happened? All we know is he's at Vroman's and he now has a gun. Somehow he got a gun. So obviously he went to go see one of his homies. I guess. I, my biggest nitpick is the is is why Jack keeps making plans with Annette O'Toole over the course of this investigation. After after Gans has killed people with his yeah, gun. And he's yeah. just like, I can't make it tonight. And she's like, God damn it, Jack, you're making me work too hard at this. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's a cop killer out there. <laughs> yeah. I think you guys can have a blanket no plans thing. Yeah, she's a terrible girlfriend. <laughs> I think she's she like, would how you do it, man? You feeling any better? You got your friend wasted? No. She's like, where's our date? I thought we were getting pizza tonight. I have no idea what happened for those 12 hours. I have no idea why Reggie thought, well, they checked into a hotel. I'm sure he's not coming out for the next yeah. 12 hours. Now I get to go to Roman's. Yeah. Probably would have just hung outside of, the like, hotel. Investigative, they, yeah, they it's just, a faux pas. Yeah. Like when, when Billy goes back to his ex-girlfriend and they're just like, let's just stake out the ex-girlfriend who we gave up on after 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. That's a flaw. Yeah. So they chase the bus after that. So here are, here are the interactions with Jack and Reggie. Jack and Reggie get in a fist fight. Jack and Reggie, Reggie's comes clean. They sleep in a car. They don't really interact. Wake up. They immediately go on a chase. They split. 10 hours pass. Go at Vroman's. Reggie calls Jack. Hey, I'm at Vroman's. They come. He's about to leave to go get laid. Sees Luther. They chase the bus. They shoot at the bus. Bus gets away. And then Frank McCray yells at them. Somehow now he has more guts than any partner Jack Cates has ever had. Yeah. He spent like that's 10 just, that's movie magic. He spent yeah. 10 minutes with him total in the last 36 hours <laughs> Most before of they got racially a fist fight. insulting him. Yeah. <laughs> so he got more guts than any bird I ever had. You shot at a bus and you crashed into a window. As you said, circling back to Billy Bear's apartment the second time was a little too easy. Yeah. Yeah, well, you said yourself, well, you want to see your girl and after you've had a rough night. Yeah. Hey, you think Billy would go back and see his girl? Nah, and if they're man. harboring Billy Bear, why do they call the cops after Jack and Reggie show up? Yeah. Remember, because the cops show up and they're like, we just got a call from some girls and you were rousting them. It's a little too easy. And then finally, most important, Reggie has this girl of Romans, played by Olivia Brown, who he dances with once and is just immediately ready to go across the street with him. But he doesn't have any money. She's got to pay for it. Finally gets some money. They're about to go. And then he sees Luther and they split up. I'm going to say it's... What do you think? Seven thirty, eight o'clock at this point? A little later. I think it's like ten, maybe later. Romans is pumping. You think it's get that, it gets that busy that early there? Yeah. Okay. They chase the bus. Bus crashes. Sheriff's yelling at them. They go to get a drink. They go get Billy Bear. Big fight. Now it's probably two in the morning. Yeah, definitely. Shoots Gans. Now it's a, now it's a homicide scene. Everybody's <laughs> dead. It's like you got to give notes, whatever. Same night, Eddie Murphy. Finds the girl the, from Romans yeah. who he, he has never gotten her number from. Right. That, that doesn't, I don't even know if he knows her name. Right. Somehow it's magically. And then I have no idea what time or day it exactly. is anymore. What time do bars close in San Francisco in the eighties? Do you know? Like I, two? I Let's say two four o'clock. Two. I think Romans starts earlier. I think it's, if it you starts at j- jumping at 8 PM. I like think, that. yeah. If it's like seven o'clock daylight savings, because seven the o'clock. Bus boys are lathered up. They're going like they have been well, playing that's, for that's, a while. They're just talented. Yeah. Though. Seven o'clock, bus shootouts at 8.15, back to the station at nine. 
drinks at 10, maybe they're at Billy Bear's girlfriend by 11. Yeah. Shootout. Maybe Roman's still open, but that girl's like in the bag at this point. She's been there for nine hours. <laughs> she maybe slashed. she doesn't drink. She just like dancing. She almost left with Reggie Hammond in two minutes. She yeah. would have left with anyone else in the bar. Yeah. She just has her fingers crossed. Reg- nah, a lot of holes. All right. Would this movie have been better with Danny Trejo? Sure. Who does he play? Well, I think the obvious role for him would be Billy Bear, but I don't think that you can chop Sonny Landham. So I would just put him as a guy in the chain gang in the beginning, hanging out. Or mm. maybe in one of the cops. Maybe young Danny Trejo. Yeah, maybe one of the cops hanging out in the precinct. Maybe Could Ke- he be Jonathan Banks' he, partner he who gets Kehoe? wasted? He could play Keo. Oh, he could play Keo because then he could go evil in yeah, another 48 hours. All right. That's always my favorite category. We haven't found a movie yet that Danny Trejo wouldn't have made better. Oh, that's why it's a, that's why it's yeah. a category. Okay. Uh, best quote of the movie, Jack, tell me a story. Fuck you. Oh, that's one of my favorites. I've been in prison for three years. My dick gets hard when the wind blows. Class isn't something you buy, lucky. You got a $500 suit and you're still a low life. <laughs> yeah, but I look good. There's a great Jack Cates monologue in here that has not aged well, but it starts out with, ah, this sucks. Maniac gets a hold of my gun and runs all over the streets, killing people with it. He crosses a couple lines in it, but it's just a great monologue. <laughs> and I remember the eighties and nineties being able to do it. I think it was on my answer machine at one point. Yeah. It is not aged that great. And last but not least, my, in my opinion, the winner bullshit, you're too fucking stupid to have a job. Yeah. That's my favorite line in the movie. I'm going to go. My mine is different. It is. Let me just get the right. Well, you obviously you said before you loved all the trim stuff. <laughs> Go ahead, a little true. trim hunt. Any any mention of the word trim, and then when uh, Reggie says, "You said bullshit and experience is all it takes," right? Right. Mm. Come on in and experience some of my bullshit. Very- That's what Brett Brown said to Brian Colangelo <laughs> before the Sixers season started. <laughs> Probably unanswerable questions. Jack Cates, terrible cop or terrible cop? Awful cop. Awful cop. Awful cop. Uh, he can't drive. Can't have a partner. Can't, can't drive. Can't have a partner. He's a racist. A terrible boyfriend. He got two cops killed with his gun. Has Awful no respect boyfriend. for the maitre d' profession. <laughs> his, big, his big plan to find the cop killer is to spring this random crazy person Thinks from jail. Thinks that bar is a, a suitable meal for a person out on a furlough. Yeah. Couldn't gets the bus and they somehow loses that's the, the bus. The thing that's crazy is like yeah. he gives him a Zagnut bar and then they never eat otherwise. I guess he brings him a donut when he gets him a coffee in the morning. Eddie might have eaten during the 13 hours yeah, where probably. he was disappeared. He probably had some surf and turf. That's why yeah. he's broke at the Romans. Well, terrible cop is the answer. Why do I love Jack Cates, irrational racist with a heart of gold so much, even after all these years? I don't have an answer for that. That's why it's probably unanswerable. Him and Sonny Crockett, I love the archetype of. The grizzled old, unlucky in love, handsome, but probably more handsome three years ago, smoking, drinking, kind of beaten down, doesn't give it a shit anymore, cop. I'm always in. Yeah. I'm in every time. Yeah. That's what, if you, if instead of Jonathan Graff, who was terribly miscast in Mindhunter. <laughs> if it was Jack Cates. If it had just been a smoking, drinking kind of- I think that's what of, Tension's supposed to be. It's what the older guy's supposed man. to be, is a little closer to that. Is Keo ruined for 48 hours because of another 48 hours? Because we know he's no, the bad guy. No, I think guy. it's, I mean, like, I know that another 48 hours sucks, but I still find it entertaining. It uh, has a couple good scenes, but Fat Eddie Murphy is not great. He's definitely fat in it. So did you know that Nick Nolte's idea for another 48 hours was to make it even more racist? What? Yeah, like, he had this whole thing. He does an interview with the AV Club, I think when he was doing a one-man show. 
and he had this like really just certifiable idea for another 48 hours he's like i went to eddie and i had this idea and it was like super racist and his idea was basically like Kate since 48 hours has just become a full-blown alcoholic who lives in a flea bag motel and reggie comes and gets him out and like basically reggie is in control and kate's is the wild card but it involved a lot of like racist stuff and then eddie murphy was like i don't think we can do that no and then they so they just did it for the money i wish somebody had asked me what to do why do you have an idea yeah but before i get to that idea let's talk about hotel tonight okay how about that for a segue if you're like me and you're not so great at planning ahead i've got good news there's an awesome app called hotel tonight that helps you find amazing hotel deals at the last minute unlike flights hotel rates get cheaper at the last minute, usually. Hotel Tonight helps hotels sell their unsold rooms, allowing them to pass along those deals along to you. Not for last resort places, but cool top-rated hotels. They over, have over 15,000 awesome partner hotels in 36 countries. Perfect for a spontaneous getaway or trip you've wanted for a while. You can actually book a room with Hotel Tonight up to seven days in advance. Even book up to 100 days in advance in certain major cities with Hotel Tonight. You'll bag a sweet deal at a killer hotel, whether you need a room for today, for Halloween, or beyond. You definitely want to download the Hotel Tonight app. The 48-hour sequel was so easy. I can't believe they fucked it up. I really can't. They overthought it. It was a classic overthink. It was sitting right there, and they're like, well, no, what if we do this? And it just goes in this horrific direction. And one of the reasons it's horrific is it stays antagonistic between Reggie and right. Jack. For no reason. Where they should be friends, yeah. Not only should they be friends, I love when they're friends. I yeah. want them to be friends. You want them to be friends. Yeah. 48 Hours 2 should have been, it's five years later and Reggie's now a cop. And him and Jack Cates <laughs> are partners. Is that even possible? Why not? Sure. Goes in, turns his life around, gets in. You could just have them be private investigators. Doesn't even matter. Whatever. And they're partners and they still have the same sort of busting each other ball stuff, but... Either A, they have to solve a case, or B, Gans's brother comes after them, which is actually the only smart part of another 48 hours. Right. But you have the cop situation where they're cops, they're the best cops in San Francisco now, and now Gans's brother is trying to kill them. Because the way they left it, there's no chance for a third sequel. Right. If they had done it correctly, you could have done six of these. Could where they have kept just, going they're forever. just investigating it, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. then- he made Metro in the mid nineties with Michael Rapport, which is essentially like, which yeah. is essentially 48 hours three, but you know, ugh. so annoying. Chris Ryan, last but not least the best unanswerable question in the movie. Oh, you were going to defend 48, another 48 hours. Just as like that. It was like the, one of the last sort of bastions of like action comedy. It's so bloated. It's more bloated than any Murphy was at that point, but it is just sort of a fascinating, like it is like bikers and meth and shootouts. And it's just really weird. Fletch lives Rocky five and another 48 hours. I think all came out within 18 months of each other. And it was a dark period of yeah. my life. Yeah. Dark. Probably some late, like that was, there was probably a late lethal weapon around there too. I think what happened was people did so much cocaine from like 1977 to 1986 <laughs> and then Len Bias died. All these things happened and people are like, yeah, cocaine's bad for you. And people stopped. And there's this five year period of just horrible movies yeah. that I think because they ran out of cocaine and stopped doing it. Last but not least, who won the Nolte Eddie fight? I think Eddie was going to win before the cops show up. Well, if you watch the fight, Cates is coming on really strong I at the so. end. Cates gets in like the last six punches, but he and starts Eddie's just so kind of standing there. Yeah, he starts it so dirty. Who do you? It's a ten nine round. Who do you score for? 
I go I go Reggie just because I, I believe in justice. Can't have the cop win. I may or may not have done a punch count for it. It's pretty even. It's <laughs> almost it? even like directly to so the punch. So you just leave it to the judge's discretion. Because Nolte gets in like the last eight punches. Uh-huh. But Murphy dominates the first part of the round. I would say 10-9 Murphy, but I think the next round it's over. I think, it I think Nolte him wears him down. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what happens. Last but not least, who won the movie? Eddie Murphy, Nick Nolte, Walter Hill. Eddie Murphy. I think so too. That easy, huh? Oh yeah. It's not even a question. Any last thoughts? 48 hours? No, they just don't make movies like this anymore. Hour and a half, in and out, no backstory. Do you have this over every Lethal Weapon? No, I have Lethal Weapon 1 over this. Really? Yes. Because it doesn't have as much virulent racism? (laughs) It's just more rewatchable. Yeah, it's more rewatchable. (laughs) What else is in there for the Mount Rushmore for you? In terms of buddy cop movies? Yeah. The first two Lethal Weapons... Boy Scout. Boy Scout. I love Boy Scout. Do I need to rewatch that? I haven't watched that in a while. It is. You want to talk about dark movies? That yeah. is a sad movie, man. The left-handed throw really hurt, hurt yeah. my feelings again. <laughs> Never really totally got over the left-handed throw. I'm sure throw. I'm forgetting one, but Boy Scout, The Two Lethal Weapons, Running Scared is pretty is, is high up there. I got Bad Boys 1 up there. Bad Boys 1, yeah. We're missing one great buddy cop movie. What's weird is there hasn't been a great one in a while. When was the last, like, you'd think Channing Tatum would have made one with... Dave Chappelle. Tango and Cash. That's magnificent. Nice Guys was the one that they tried to make into, into an 80s, you know, it was set in the 70s, but it was supposed to have an 80s feel. That was they tried back. a little too hard with Nice Guys. It wasn't bad. Stakeout. Stakeout's a good one. Stakeout's fun. I like Stakeout. The Hard Way. Can't really watch James Woods movies anymore, but. Yeah. Yeah. Not going Hollywood on. Homicide they tried to make. Nope. The Rookie. Nope. Wanted to like that one, didn't make it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, it's really. It's, they, Sounds it, like we need to write a Buttercup movie. Well, this was awesome. The uh, 35th anniversary of 48 Hours is December 8th. Also, the 35th anniversary of the first time I saw it. The Avon Theater. Shout out to the Avon Theater. Shout out to Hotel Tonight, the app that helps you find amazing hotel deals at the last minute, up to seven days in advance or even 100 days in advance in certain major cities. Perfect for a spontaneous getaway or a little staycation. Play Things Bay Air knowing you'll still score a great price and a great place to stay. Get in on these killer last-minute deals. Download the Hotel Tonight app. Now, don't forget about the watch. Mondays and Thursdays. Andy Greenwald finally watched Ozark. <laughs> we were pretty excited. the happiest moment of Got your life. Got Laurie Metcalf from Lady Bird on, on Thursday. Great movie. Yeah. Good movies this year. Yeah. Remember when everyone was like, the movies suck this year? No, movies are fine this year. They're movies are fine. Yeah. That, I'm going to say this is like a B to a B plus for a movie season. Movies are doing great. Yeah. We could use a buddy cop movie, but sure. other than that. All right, Chris Ryan, always a pleasure. Uh, stay tuned. We're going to have one more rewatchables before the end of the year, and then we're going to ramp it up to every week starting in 2018. So until then. Get some trim before the night's over. I'm a bus. What? Some trim. Some Mugambo. Some sex. Are you crazy? You can't ask me any better than that.